Welcome to another intriguing episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. She's casting director Michelle Allen. Her most recent work, perhaps, that uh, people will have seen is, of course, the uh, triple Oscar-winning feature, The Revenant. My job is to make sure that I understand what the director wants, what the producers want, because they're very much a part of that process as well, the creative process. Monetizing Your Creativity asks the question, what does it take to earn a living with your creative talents? Foremost on my mind is a picture that's being, it's been released called The Revenant, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, directed by Alejandro Inaritu. We focus on the success principles common to all disciplines by interviewing producers, directors, writers, actors, cinematographers, music composers, animators, designers, and much, much more. Learn how to create your own path to success. Let's roll. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. I'm your host, Marvin Polis, and joining me is our co-host, Fred Keating. Fred, tell me who we have as a guest today. We have as a guest today a person critical to the uh, production process. She's casting director Michelle Allen. Her most recent work, perhaps, that uh, people will have seen is, of course, the uh, triple Oscar-winning feature, The Revenant. This sounds great, Fred. You know what? Before we get into that interview, let's talk a little bit about casting because I think there may be some confusion out there amongst our listeners about the difference between an agent, a manager, and a casting director. So I know you have a lot of experience in this area. Why don't you just kind of fill us in on the difference? Sure. Let me just uh, be clear about one thing. Nobody gets a performer work. The performer has to have the goods and uh, be fortunate enough and skilled enough in an audition situation to grab that job for himself or herself. Having said that, to get into the room itself is a process that requires often a casting director, an agent, and a manager. Now the agent is often uh, the person who puts forward, based on what she or he has learned about the needs of a particular production, puts forward a range of actors in her stable for a variety of roles in the uh, in the project. Okay, so the agent actually works for the actor. Absolutely, is in fact the representative of the actor and takes care of, once there is a successful job opportunity or offer, takes care of a lot of the business end of things with the, uh, with the production that an actor shouldn't have to bother with. Now, in L.A., in the States, it's typical to have both an agent and a manager. Both the agent and the manager work on behalf of the performer, and it's often a contact from one of them or the other to a casting director saying, you should really try this kid, Marvin Polis. He's got a lot of promise. He's done something very recently, very similar to what you're looking for. I think if you haven't seen him yet, you need to take a look. And it's often the manager or agent's relationship with the casting director who uh, ensure that their actor gets a good look in that either prior to the audition or, in fact, because of his past record or her past record, is invited to audition for a particular role in the project. Okay, so then the the agent and the manager work for the actor, and then the casting director actually works for the studio or for the production. Absolutely. That's exactly it. He or she, the casting director, is the gatekeeper, if you will, the filter. She's the one who takes hundreds, if not thousands, of... Uh, applications, headshots, and resumes from a variety of agents and managers and winnows it down so that the people she's working for, the producers, and in many cases the director as well, in the audition only see the cream of the crop. 
maybe 10 of the 5,000 headshots and resumes that have been submitted for consideration. Okay, then. So that's what our guest today does, Michelle Allen. She's actually a casting director. She works for the studio. She works for the production. Correct. And it's her job to bring forward to them to, to winnow out the many, many applications or submissions, if you will, to the very few that she feels will simplify, to some extent, the decisions or the choices that the people behind the uh, audition table have to make in their television series or, in fact, their feature film. Okay, and then she takes her recommendations to the director, to the producers, and says, okay, here's here's the cast that I think we should go with, and it's subject to their approval. Uh, absolutely. Let me put it this way. She may see 15 people for a particular role in a film, and she will tape those auditions. So the director and producer aren't even in the room. She will send those auditions, those recorded auditions, to the uh, powers that be, and then when they come to town or when they have time to come to the, uh, the audition hall, they will have perhaps wanted to see eight of the 15 people. And so those eight will be called in to uh, audition in front of the people and take those questions or uh, suggestions that they might offer from behind the table to tweak one's performance. And from that initial audition, there may be a callback audition where their top three choices will come back and vie for that particular role. However, outside of that room, are many, many other individuals or stakeholders who also have a vote. And so, in spite of the suggestions of the producer and director, the studio representatives may also want to say in it. And they will want to see, perhaps again, all 15 of the original auditions, just to double-check, just to... Uh, and they'll take into consideration the suggestions of the producer and director on the on the ground, but not necessarily. There may be a variety of economic and uh, political reasons why certain actors get chosen and others are not. Bottom line is really when you get down to, uh, well, any level of the audition really, any one of those actors is probably capable of doing the role. But there are factors that the, uh, the actors are unaware of, such as the height, weight, complexion of the people that they would be acting opposite in the film. Great. Well, thanks for this explanation, Fred. So, you know, this really puts into context what our guest today, Michelle Allen, does as a casting director. And as you mentioned, she was the, actually, the Canadian casting director for The Revenant, the Oscar-winning film The Revenant. Much of that film was indeed shot in Canada. What are some of the other films that she's worked on, some of the notable projects? Well, she was the, as you just mentioned, the Canadian casting director for The Revenant. She also brought together the uh, the people who fleshed out the cast in The Man of Steel and uh, the fifth version of uh, Final Destination. She also actually, in 2009, won a Casting Society of America award for her casting for the pilot episode of The Good Wife. So she does television as well. She cast the uh, series The Fringe, for example, that many people are fond of. Splendid. Well, it sounds like Michelle is really somebody who knows her way around the uh, casting room. So we'll go to Michelle's interview here in a moment. And I should probably say that I did not participate in that interview. You did it solo because the day you did the interview, I was actually in New York and I was scouting for some other interviews for monetizing your creativity. You did a fantastic job. And let's go to that interview now. Well, I'm sitting here in uh, Kitsilano area of Vancouver, British Columbia, in the presence of casting director Michelle Allen. Michelle, tell me, what is the role of the casting director 
in the production process? We usually start very early on in the process. In other words, sometimes before a production office is even open and other staff have been hired. Um, casting is some of the earliest work that needs to happen and usually in tandem with a casting director in usually in Los Angeles or New York. So it's that preliminary period of trying to put together the cast that can eventually shoot when they go to film, go to camera. And there are a number of responsibilities then that a uh, an experienced casting director brings to the production team. Yes, and my my job is to make sure that I understand what the director wants, what the producers want, because they're very much a part of that process as well, the creative process, and that I'm meeting their requirements in terms of what sorts of performers they're looking for for each to fulfill each of the roles in their film. So it's a matter of understanding what their vision is and then endeavoring to present performers to them that they believe can be part of that illustration, that bigger picture. And they're relying on you for a fairly comprehensive knowledge of the local or regional or even in in some cases national talent pool. The Canadian talent pool, yes. Um, Because I'm stationed in British Columbia, it sometimes requires hiring a casting director in Ontario who knows the talent there. But most of the time they don't want to hire a secondary person there. So the Canadian or the, the BC casting director is also responsible for looking across Canada. And of course, most of the infrastructure in terms of performer databases is in Toronto, Montreal, and then BC. And then sort of the prairie provinces are kind of there's little pockets of performers that you hopefully can try and access. But mostly it's based east and west coast. And I'm responsible for most pictures for looking for cast from across Canada, depending on what their budget is. I noticed uh, after your name on your business card and your letterhead, CSA. What does CSA stand for? It stands for the Casting Society of America. I've been a member for about 20 years, and you, to become a member, you have to either be an associate or a casting director by trade, and um, you need to have the endorsement of CSA members who say, yes, this person is qualified to become a member of our society. So you can't simply declare yourself a casting director and go out and uh, start to pass yourself off like that. There, you have to, there's a standard to be achieved and maintained. Anybody can put out a shingle, but you can't put CSA behind your name, and that's a qualifier. That means this person is legitimate and knows what they're doing and is seasoned and has a good you know, credit rating in the, in the industry. What have you worked on? recently that is uh, of interest that we might be aware of? Well, foremost on my mind is a picture that's being, it's been released called The Revenant, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Domhnall Gleeson, and Tom Hardy, and directed by Alejandro Inarritu. Alejandro, yes, Alejandro Gonzalez Inarritu. I worked for him, with him, for about eight months prior to the spring of this year um, to cast the show, to cast all of the Canadian performers in the show and they came from across Canada. Because there were a lot of roles for First Nations people, and Alejandro wanted very authentic, real people, so that the performers who would come in, especially the females, they looked too contemporary for him. Their eyebrows were were groomed, you know, they had makeup, they had, you know, good teeth, you know, all of those things that back in 18, the early 1800s, you know, people didn't look like that. So. It was a uh, an inspiring opportunity to really connect with human beings, with people who could fulfill these characters. 
So that I, you know, you can hear it in my voice. And I'm, it was a really thrilling experience with that director and, and just wonderful with the performers that I got to connect with too. So. And he's Mexican. And, yes, and he is. walked off with a, an armload of Oscars for yes. Birdman. Any particularly difficult search developed in, uh, in, in your quest to bring him the kind of people that he wanted or the kind of person that he wanted in any particular role? Um, there was a female warrior who had to be part of what was becoming an ensemble. This particular tribe, she had to be a seamless part of this tribe. Renee Haynes, who casts, she specializes in, in First Nations casting in the U.S. She had already been looking for this character for about four months by the time I came on. And all across the United States, from little pueblos and villages and from, you know, the various acting pools and so on and so forth. But she had seen hundreds of people for the various First Nations roles. And Alejandro wasn't satisfied. And so when I came on in July, that was one of my first tasks was to make to, to try and come up with alternatives, Canadian alternatives that might fulfill the role. And we got kind of close a couple of times, but eventually uh, we were getting so close to shooting and rehearsing and Alejandro wrote an email and just said can we look up north I went to my producer and I said Alejandro wants us to go north and the only place that I know of that has any infrastructure in terms of filmmaking is Yellowknife and he gave us the okay to go there and we created an open casting call there and probably about a hundred women showed up and my associate Emma Day um, met with each of them and chose a dozen to come back the next day for further interviews. And of that group of 12, there was one who stood out, Mila Nakekel, and she landed the role. Wow. It was really magical. That whole experience was very magical. Happy ending, mm -hmm. uh, but a, a, long, a long trail getting there. Yes. Tell me, when does the role of the casting director and you mentioned eight months. Is that prior to shooting, or were you called upon after uh, shooting had begun as well? In a perfect world, while you have your director's attention and time, you get everything cast before they start shooting. In this particular case, the script and the budget, the locations, everything was changing and moving and shifting because they were having weather problems. Um, they wanted to shoot that film chronologically and with natural light only. So Alejandro's demands created exponential amounts of time to be involved, new characters, new roles, new script pages. So it was over the course of about eight months. I think we started in July and worked through to beginning of October, and then there was some work to do in in December, and then in January, February, there was an additional 25 characters to cast. So. It just kept going and accumulating more cast. We went, I think, from 25 to 75 cast members. And when you shoot up north in Canada in natural daylight, there aren't that many hours in the day. There aren't. Everybody was under a lot of pressure. Here again with Alejandro, he just, it's so interesting to me. He just wants the most authentic performers. So when we went to cast these French trappers from the early 1800s, there wasn't anybody local who was who was he was believing so he said can we look in montreal and we did and we ended up bringing 
think three or four fellows from Montreal to play French trappers. Of course, the Authentic. descendants of the voyageurs, yes? Yes. yes. <laughs> Tell me, how did you first get into this line of work? Oh, 30 years ago. I started out in the business as a production assistant. There is no school for casting directors that I know of. You have to do it. You just have to get in there and do it and learn by doing from your mentors. I, I, was, I didn't know how much I didn't know. And I, I think I was just very determined that I was going to get involved in the film industry. And so I just kept knocking on doors. And there was no film industry here then. They were shooting The Beachcombers, a series, I think, and that's about it. The occasional feature film would come in. And I just, uh, I worked for a, a, a lovely man who was a producer, director, editor, just before Expo 1986. And he needed a coordinator to go in and and help him with everything from locations to craft service to casting of the commercials for the 1986 Expo. And that's when I found out being, a, my background is singing. I studied voice for for 10 years and um, I wanted to be the next Katie Lang, but sort of gave up that dream <laughs> when I realized that I really wasn't that talented. That position had been taken, I guess. Yes, and beautifully so. Coming from a performing background, that's where I kind of found my little niche. That's what I love doing best, was auditioning performers to be in these commercials. And that's when I learned how to, how to work with performers and to get the best out of them on a very obviously superficial level. But that was the beginning. And then I went on to, in 1986, I had an opportunity to cast speaking roles in my first feature film. Prior to that, I had I did three years of background casting. And I also directed um, plays for six seasons of the Fringe Festival. So I was diving in and really becoming very committed to specifically casting and loving it and feeling very appreciative and privileged to have those opportunities then because it wouldn't happen now. There's, there's too much work, there's too much competition, there are too many people who are really qualified. At that time, there were only a couple. But along the way, you were building a personal and professional network that allowed you to cast the net a little further each time you got a contract and were asked to uh, provide all sorts of sizes, shapes, creeds, and colors for whatever the demands of the project were. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We're getting near the end of our time, but there are so many things I want to ask you about the processes that you implement for a director or producer, and also uh, the relationships you have with them, and of course with the performers, each of whom hopes to be the chosen one for the uh, for that particular role they're going after. So with your permission, I'm going to ask to visit you again, if I may, so we can continue this chat and walk from from here into how you deal with people on a, on a daily basis, we want to explore what you do with and for the performers in order that you fulfill your obligation to the engagers of your services, as well as, of course, assisting some individual with the next step up in, in their career. Okay. Thank you so much, Michelle. My pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to Monetizing Your Creativity. Be sure to join us next time by subscribing to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave a review. It helps us with our ratings. You can also visit monetizingyourcreativity.com for more information about the show. And hey, be sure to tell your friends who want to understand how to monetize their creativity.